Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever y'all where may be. Welcome to this snowy edition, the Cincinnati, Ohio's version of the Clown Hour. I'm your host, Scott Burks. And on tonight's show, we're going to get into a lot like concerning the Super Bowl. Who was more responsible? Tom Brady, uh, Todd Bowles and this defensive game plan. Uh, did uh, Kansas City screw it up themselves? We'll also get into uh, like some more quarterbacks being possibly on the move. Um, Carson Wentz, you know, and also maybe Russell Wilson's ex explaining his uh, dis uh, his displeasure. Uh, we all know what's going on with uh, Deshaun Watson. And uh, we're also going to cover Black History Moments in Sports. We're going to continue with that series out the month of February. And if we have time, we may get into some Mark Cuban and the whole national anthem uh, scenario. Uh, what to make of that. And we'll probably get into some random shit along the way. So without further ado, let's get to it. And again, please get the merch and also, and also subscribe to my channel. Please and thank you. Good morning, gotta do good evening, wherever y'all where it may be. Welcome to the snowy edition of the Clown Hour podcast. I'm your boy Scott Burks. But below me is my man main Dwayne Nash, my co-host. Please check him out on the yard such HBCU Sports for reps of all things, HBCU Sports, as well as Sleazy Radio every Tuesday night on Facebook Live. Also check out his good work on um, heroesports.com, where he talks about all things FCS sports as it pertains to HBCUs. And as for your boy here, please check out my podcast. I mean, my podcast, but my blog, The Clown Times, is Clown Spell with K at www.theclowntimes.net. Find me on Facebook as well. Just search for The Clown Times. You'll find me acting the fool there, me and my friends and fans or whatever, acting the fool there as well as pertains to the Super Bowl and wherever's going on in sports. And last but not least, well, two things. Please subscribe to the channel. Just click on the subscribe button on the lower right-hand corner. Feel free to comment in the, in the comment below. Uh, that help us a lot. And as well as one more thing, get the merch. Get the merch. <laughs> <laughs> At cafepress.com, search for the Clown Town Sports. So one word, the address will be in the comments after this podcast. you find us there as well. So we got a guest, you know, one of my favorite guys going to hang out with us tonight, going to talk some shop about the Super Bowl and quarterback issues and also participate in this Black History uh and sports special we have going all month. Uh, you see him on the podcast before uh, with another buddy. So uh, welcome to the to, to back to the podcast with Rashad Myers, track coach extraordinaire, Kaplan University's finest. Rashad, what's going on, brother? All is well, bro. All Just right. happy back here with you guys and then chop. We have to have you back. Happy to have you back, yes, man. sir. Want to have most of y'all back, but also throughout the at least throughout the Black History Month as we celebrate. Uh, black history and sports, so we're definitely going to do that. So, why quit, fellas? The Super Bowl. We all saw the Super Bowl. I'm sure most of us, if not all of us, are shocked about how the Super Bowl went down. I was like, "What the hell?" Just watch. I'm like, "What? Huh?" Kansas City didn't get in the end zone. Patrick Mahomes had two in his had two interceptions. I sat three times, got knocked around like a pinata. Tom Brady. Uh, did his thing in the Super Bowl, albeit with modest stats, but you, you know, three touchdown passes, three touchdown passes at age 43. Mm. Also, turning back the hands of time with hooking up with his boy Rob Gronkowski. Two touchdown receptions in the Super Bowl, especially the second one was a thing of beauty, man. You could tell the rapport they have, right? When he came back to the ball in the end zone, I'm like, damn, 
Gronk is going off, man. So imagine this. Imagine, what if I told you that uh, Mike Evans will have one catch for 36 yards? Mm. What if I told you that Chris Godwin would have two catches for not but two or three catches for not but so many yards? Mm-hmm. You think Tennessee will win an ass whooping, right? But then, uh. but wait, but, but, but follow me. But mm-hmm. that doesn't take into account of the aforementioned Gronk as mm-hmm. well as Leonard Fournette just going off. Yeah. And then last but not least, that defense, man, Todd Bowles, if he doesn't get a job after the after, after next season, something's really wrong. That dude has earned a shot at a second opportunity, hopefully be a better opportunity with better organization, but that's not not a here nor there. But the point is, dude shut make Kansas City look like Pittsburgh near the end of the season on offense. Made them very pedestrian, just made, made Kansas City look like fools on offense. Made Andy Reid look like a bigger fool. So when all this to say this, I'll kick it to you, Rashad, and, and we'll do the whole kind of clockwise thing um, and say this, man. There's plenty of, of, of props to go around, as so life so with, with Tampa, but should it be, who should get more of the credit, man? Should it be Tom Brady or should it be how top bowls called a masterful game on defense. If you ask me, man, it's more about Ty Bowles. As much mm. as I like Brady and as much as he cemented himself as the GOAT with now seven Super Bowl championships, Out of 10. that defensive <laughs> performance was masterful. And, and I say that because, I mean, when you think about how they limited the most explosive offense in the NFL and just kind of kept them, like you said, to a pedestrian performance, you know, that, that, that was, that was masterful. I mean, he, he, he mixed it up the entire time with his coverages. He, you know, he, he called a great game. And so mm-hmm. you could see the two shell look. He was, he was kind of, uh, <clears throat> through him and it, it was, it was a great performance by that defense. Um, Tom Brady, when you look, I mean, Tom Brady was Tom Brady. He did right. what he did. He didn't turn the ball over. Right. And he made a couple great throws uh, here and there, but I mean, when right. you think about it, he only really, he had, I think, a little over 200 yards in, in passing. I mean, you think about that. If, like if you, like you said, if you, if you were to say Tom Brady would only have a little over 200 yards passing in the Super Bowl, you might think that, you know, Tampa Bay either would lose or would barely win. But I mean, that defense, I think deserves a lot of credit. I mean, Winfield, you think about the, you know, uh, the, the, the linebackers, um, you know, just to me, it, it was a they did the damn thing. effort. Even even the D line, they got after that. Yes, uh, they that, did. That Chiefs uh, offensive line, and you yes, think with did. them losing both tackles, you know that mm-hmm. that really hurt them because, you know, uh, Mahomes was running for his life really the entire time, and so to me that that defense really kind of stepped up. You know, the offense did its did its thing as well, a couple touchdown passes, but um, I was very very proud of that defense. Yeah, yeah, that was that was the thing. I mean, they just made. They just make Kansas State look so ordinary. I mean, that's that's why where the process, I think where the process go. How, how how about you, D? I know you're chopping at the bit right quick about that. Man, um, so I, I have a, a ranking system on who <laughs> gets um the most props for this particular game, right? So of course, mm-hmm. top tier goes to uh top bowls and that defense. Um, as bewildered as that defense has looked in, in spots throughout the, the majority of the year, right? Because mm-hmm. this is a defense that I talked about um, in the beginning of the season 
that was very respectable, especially based upon what was going on with uh, uh, Jameis Winston turning ball over and giving them a short fields and having to defend oh, in short field situations. Yeah, yeah, and 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 <clears throat> that's why their their stats were were low. But at least they, they were doing the best that they could, right? Mm-hmm. But you could also tell that they were growing and, and getting an understanding of uh, Todd Bowles and his defensive scheme. But a, as the year went on and they started to realize how much pressure they can get with that front four, that front five, with uh, Shaq Barrett, uh, Vita Vea, uh, and Dominican Sue, JPP, you get those, those four or five guys, you know, not, not necessarily even blitzing all the time because according to the numbers, they only blitz 10% of the time. They were just basically, you know, doing a, a, a regular rush the 90% of the other time, and they were still putting pressure on, on Patrick Mahomes. So you, you do that and you leave the other guys to play zone, which is something that they've done the entire playoffs, which was mind-boggling to me that at this point, well, not necessarily mind-boggling, it's, it's more of a testament to how much of a loss, uh, 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 what's his name, Eric, um, the, 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 the old tackle. Eric Winston. Fisher, Eric Fisher. Eric Fisher, I'm sorry. Fisher. Yes. How, how yes. much of a loss Eric Fisher was mm-hmm. um, on that offensive line. Now, we talked about the, the, the right tackle a little bit, but he was gone for the majority of the season. Same thing with their starting center, who was out, you know, being a great Samaritan and, and being a doctor and taking care of COVID situ- situations. But that loss of, of Eric Fisher, it, it almost seemed as though that entire whole line would just broke down completely. Yeah. And they couldn't protect um, Patrick Mahomes to save his life almost literally. Um, and, and, and they did not, he did not have the time to necessarily throw deep balls. And the times in which he did, he was throwing them at uh, obscure angles. Um, Falling to the ground which, one time. Oh my God, man. They were just, hit him in the, in the face mask. And yeah, still keep 30 yards falling. He was still yeah. getting the ball off, right? And yeah. I don't I don't even think the receivers believe that he was gonna get the ball off and, and, and did. So uh, applaud them, especially for uh, um making that offense score its lowest point total within the Patrick Mahomes era. Nine points, no touchdowns. Insane. Number two, of course, goes to you know the, the DC native uh 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 God, it's bad that I forget his name that quick already. Byron left, which the offensive coordinator yes. for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yes. And that offense, like you said, the uh, uh, Kansas City did a, a wonderful job uh, uh, doing whatever they could to to hold Evans and Godwin from allowing them to kill them and said, hey, if you want to beat us, you're going to beat us with everybody else. And oddly enough, that's what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, Grant didn't necessarily have big numbers throughout the year. But, you know, you put him in that situation, he's not like he hasn't done it before. Right. He did it again. So, um, Gronk was the old Gronk that we were used to seeing, and, and and they played well. I mean, they didn't necessarily need a lot of passing yards either way because, once again, the running game went well with Leonard Fournette and, and Robert Jones. Yeah. But number three goes to Carl Schaefer's and then officiating crew. <laughs> um, there were a lot of questionable calls in that game. I tell you, fellas, it's bad when my mom comes to me and says, some of them calls were questionable. I'm not saying my mama dumb, but when she thinks mm. that calls are questionable in, in, in sport, calls might be a little questionable. And then to make it even more interesting, Schaefer's has a history with the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know if you guys knew that. Like a lot of 
Yes. Okay, I know that. Like yeah. the most calls that they've received this year um, were behind Schaefer and his crew. Mm. And then, of course, Scott, you remember this, the playoff game against Pittsburgh where the infamous holding call that, that stopped the Chiefs from beating Pittsburgh that, that led to the Chiefs, well, that led to Pittsburgh beating them, what was it, 2016? Oh, yeah, that's when we scored a number of field goals, and it was very yes. low-scoring affair with Alex Smith. Uh-huh. Back. I remember that. An yeah. extremely low-scoring affair. Carl Schaefer was uh, on that crew as well. So Schaefer has a thing. I'm not saying conspiracy theory there, but it just happens to be whenever the Chiefs have a lot of penalties, Carl Schaefer is there. So <laughs> it's, just, it's just weird that that happens. But, um, oh. yeah, some of those calls were questionable. But at the same time, man, it just seems as though that the the, 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 the officiating and the, the bad play calling um, on the defensive side of the ball for Kansas City got to a lot of the defensive players mentally, which uh, uh, allowed them to get beat physically and mentally, which is something that you really don't want to see, especially in a Super Bowl game. Remember... And speaking of, of coaching decisions, bad coach decisions, y'all remember like at near the end of the first half where like they, it, the Chiefs inexplicably called a timeout? Yes. Well, as if that's as if they did not pay attention to the previous weeks of what Tampa did on offense near and half. What do they like to do at the end of the first half whenever they can? Tom Brady likes to go long. Try to beat you deep, <clears throat> yeah. Right. He likes to go long. You got to be used to what you said, Dwayne. Beat him deep, beat you deep, or draw a PI. Mm-hmm. One of the two things he's is going to what's going to happen if you on defensive defensive properly. And so that's what happened both times. Now I said a timeout because, like, remember when? Um, and this is this is just a bad penalty. When 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 Tampa landed to kick a field goal to make a seventeen to nine would have would have made a seventeen to nine. Mm-hmm. Why was that Bama line up offside? This is shades of uh, what's his name, Frank's. What I forget his last name. That pass rusher, where they lost to uh, Art- New England. Yeah, Frank. Art- yeah, where they where they lost to New to New England couple, three right. seasons ago. Mm-hmm. Would have gone to the Super Bowl three years ago. Three years yeah, ago. and that call bailed him out and gave. New yes, because it was an interception, yes. and they, and they bailed him out because that fool was lined up way offside. So, Rashad, yeah. Do, do, do you know who it was, Rashad? No, who was it? I I, I think it was Antonio Hamilton. Oh man, I know you. <laughs> I think it was Antonio Hamilton, dog. Man, oh my god. Man. Yeah. I, well, I know he received a penalty, and I knew it was a penalty that saved them from a situation. So I don't remember right. whether or not it was the field goal attempt. No, it was a punt. That's what it was. It was a right. punt. So I take that back. He doesn't get that one. But yeah, there was a punt in which he was called for that ended up giving um, a, 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 a Tampa Bay the first down and extending that drive. Yeah, yeah, I felt bad for him too. Wow, he I had felt a little bad for him. Now, is he a Kathleen graduate or something? No, 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 no. He uh, he he graduated from South Carolina State. Oh, he okay, played. okay, got it. Yeah, which okay. is right next door to class, and that's Orangeburg. So yeah, I okay, went to okay. college in that town, and I followed that program really closely. Okay. Um, a lot of my good buddies that I played, some that I played high school ball with, um, played at South Carolina State. So I know oh. I know quite a few of those guys. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's, yeah, that was the killer. Yeah. They were about to go up 17 to 9, 
They line up offsides on the field goal attempt. They take the, the of course, you take you don't take the points. You go for the touchdown. Of course. That, and they call the timeout before doing that try. They would have run out of time. And they yeah. call the timeout. And what does that Brady do? He goes back. And, and, he, and, and then he finds Antonio Brown in the corner of the end zone. I'm like, yo. A lot of people refer that to um, Andy being Philly Andy at that mo- moment. <laughs> yeah, they said, oh, Philly Andy is back. Oh, from the Eagles days. <laughs> oh, man. There, that was, so that was many killer. things that was uncharacteristic of them to me. Like you said, you rarely see Andy, you know, kind of not thrive in those kind of situations, even right. with Mahomes. Like, there were a couple of his passes, not to anything of his fault, but, like, even with Tyreek Hill, one that hit him right in the face mask. If he mm-hmm. normally fakes, you know, 99 out of 100 times and, and comes down with that ball. Hit Kelsey, him right, had, to, Kelsey right had to drop like that, too. Right. And, yeah. You know, like, a couple of those that, you know, very catchable balls, plays they normally make, but um, they, they just couldn't for some reason. And so – it was it was not a typical Kansas City night in terms of the domination that we normally see from them. Yeah. Well, how about this, fellas? Remember, like, you know, if, we're not professionals, right? But we follow football very closely, and we all know whether we've been playing Madden or watching the <laughs> football. If a team goes out with cover two, what's the most effective way to get the team out of cover two? You run the ball. Yep. You keep running the ball. I don't care if you get one or two yards. You keep running the ball because eventually you're going to cause that safety to drip down, right? Yep. And then you're going to have man coverage. Mm-hmm. But what kids, what, what 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 Tampa did, I mean, props to them for, for learning from the first time they played against them and went away from man to cover two. But t- Kansas City, even when they start the second start the second half, when they came out running the ball more. And they were driving, but all of a sudden they just forgot about the run on that same drive. They were moving the ball on the ground and they started to, to chuck the ball around. I'm like, what are y'all doing? I agree because I thought Clyde Edwards Hilaire ran the ball pretty well, especially in the early going of the game. But um, yes. it's, it's like they went away from it. So I didn't yes. know. Maybe that's them being, you know, the Chiefs kind of being kind of uh, pass happy and jumping the gun, so to speak. But uh, yeah, I agree with that point. Definitely. They would have get they go they would have gotten them out of zone and they would have gone man and that would have played in KC's advantage because all then that in that case he could just chuck the ball up to Kelsey or Romani Cheetah. You know what I mean? So um Atari Kill, because that took away so basically the Tampa's game plan was we're gonna take away everything deep. We're gonna take away Tyreek Kill, we're gonna make you nickel and diamonds, maybe take away Kelsey too to an extent. Yeah, they, they doubled both of them pretty much the entire game. And they yeah. said, make somebody else beat us. Yeah, and yeah. they couldn't respond. They didn't respond. So yeah. instead of running the ball and causing them to get out of it and drop a safety down, they play into Tampa's hands. and But I would say this, Dwayne, and I'm glad you mentioned about Byron Leftwich because he doesn't get enough love in my No, opinion. he doesn't. I mean, the way he called that game, and he did it during a year where there was no offseason because of COVID. Mm-hmm. He and Tom Brady had to get together in weird, all sorts of weird ways. Tom Brady showed up to his house. You know, <laughs> he couldn't, didn't get enough reps in, and they were learning each other on the fly throughout the season. And for, you know, and so, I mean, Arians lets both his lieutenants call all the plays to, to his credit. And so the way 
the way Leftwich just did it, he mixed it up. I mean, I mean, I mean, I, I think the they think they rushed 145 yards against uh, Kansas City, and so they just mixed it up here and there. They they never got one dimensional, never panicked, mm-hmm. and that's a credit to. I mean, John Bray obviously he ex- he helped execute it. Obviously, he's a goat, but I think not enough love Rashad goes to. Uh, Byron Leftwich, what he did, and hopefully that puts him into the line of hopefully getting a job as well with his next season, season afterwards. Right, Scott, if you don't mind me uh, timing in real quick, you know what that was reminiscing of to me, um, that iconic drive that they showed so many times where uh, Byron Leftwich, he, this is back when he was at Marshall, mm. he's hurt, he's injured, and he's, he, you know, he, he can barely get down the field and he's he's limping and but still, you know, carrying the team, and his, his two linemen, you know, kind of... I remember that. Him carry him down the field mm-hmm. it was that same type of grit I think he called that game with and you know like you said it was masterful man and so uh big shots to Byron Leftwich I, shout outs to him I, I agree with you I don't think he gets enough credit um for for what he's done and, and imagine the pressure I mean they're still men but the pressure of bringing in arguably the greatest of all time mm-hmm. you know, who's kind of a coach in his own right and knows mm-hmm. inside out and with the competitiveness of both of them making that work and looks looks like they put the egos aside. I, I just think we need to remember that dynamic as well, you know, because both of them are, you know, are quarterbacks and very sharp minds. Yes. It seems like they put everything aside to chase that championship and lo and behold, they got it. I'll tell you what, man, whoever do I never thought, and it's not a detriment to Byron Leftwich in my opinion of him, because I remember obviously with Jacksonville, he was a backup at Pittsburgh for many years. Played well in both places, in my opinion. But I never thought I'd see the day where Byron Leftwich would become a coach, let alone off as a coordinator on this level. Right. I mean, he 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 came up pretty quick, which is great. As you can see, he earned it. And 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 this and this goes back to I say this from last week too, and you do and week before that when we're talking about black coaches, Bruce Arians giving it's all about opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. Bruce Arians giving, we're giving, naming all of his top lieutenants are brothers, giving those brothers the opportunities to shine. In the case of Todd Bowles, a second chance. Mm-hmm. You know, not many coaches who fa- black coaches who failed at the previous stop gets a second chance, let alone another high-profile D corner spot in the NFL. Mm-hmm. That goes back to connections that he had with Todd Bowles from Temple when. Um, when, when Bruce Aarons coached him at Temple, when he coached at Temple uh, uh, University back in the day. So, again, it goes to show you that you give the user connections and the opportunities, and they're still in the pipeline. So, hopefully, both Bowles and uh, Leftwich, the next couple of seasons, will get, or in the case of Bowles, get a second chance. I think he'll get a second chance sooner rather than later. But um, I think Leftwich is in the pipeline now. He's, he's, he's another hot name now. So, Good for those buzz, and let's just hope, hope it continues. Um, oh, both definitely. Real quick, um, yeah. one thing about both uh, assistant coaches, right? First and foremost, no disrespect to Byron Leftwich. Matter of fact, he actually said this during the interview um, because, of, you know, of course, he's a local guy, so he's mm-hmm. done a lot of TV here. Um, he comes from a part of town where there's not a lot expected from those type guys, right? Sure. Um, he said it himself that he didn't necessarily expect it to, to, to live past 30, mm. you know? So that's how rough the neighborhood that he comes from. He comes from, you know, part of town that, that I grew up in originally, right? Um, 
you know, the high school he went to was necessarily known as one of the, the, the better high schools, but of course they, they have great athletic talent that come from out of that school. And for him to go to Marshall and succeed there, make it to the NFL and, and, and be an anomaly that drafting. way, yep. you know, uh, uh, for him to do that, play in the league as long as he did, and then eventually end up becoming an assistant up to an offensive coordinator is something that a lot of people didn't know whether or not he had the wherewithal to do because of his career. You know, he, he didn't necessarily have the worst career, but he didn't have the best, right? Mm -hmm. Especially based upon where he was drafted. But mm -hmm. that was mainly because of who he played for and a lot of injuries that he had to deal with. It's not to say that he couldn't coach the game. And then was, as we're starting to learn with talent, this dude can do it, right? right? So hopefully he does get an opportunity. And as it pertains to Todd Bowles, who of course has HBCU um, background, originally being hired by his former Washington football teammate, uh, Doug Williams at Morehouse, and then eventually following Doug to Grambling, Grambling. and then coming up through the ranks and, and, and becoming an NFL head coach. I'm hoping that the stench of what happened with him in New York gets off of him mm -hmm. so that he can get another opportunity. Because, you know, I, 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 I checked to see if he had social media, and, and unfortunately he doesn't have a Twitter account, but there are a lot of fake Todd Bowl accounts trying to get him fired that yeah, are, that are New sure. York-based because, of course, there are a lot of people who thought he didn't deserve the job there, even though, of course, as we already discussed, unfortunately, he didn't get a lot of help from ownership and, and general manager there in order to help him succeed. But, yeah, like I said before, I hope that that stitch gets off him so that he can get an opportunity as well. I'll just say one more thing before we get to the next segment. Y'all can chime in. Um, for those folks out there who think that Todd Bowles set the blueprint for Kansas City, nah. Because, again, as we said earlier, man, the best way to be to cover two defenses is to run the ball. Yeah. And, 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 and I'm sure they got the talent, and, I'm, and they'll get all the offensive pieces, offensive linemen back. Mm -hmm. But as long as if another team tries to, to run cover two, all they got to do is run them to death. But you know what? And that's one of, the, one of the benefits of what happens with Tampa is the fact that that defense, the best rush defense in, in the league, holding teams to 80 yards per game, they can play rush, or they can play, uh, 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 they can they can play rush defense with that that cover two defense mm -hmm. because of the linebackers that they have and the speed that they have. Yeah. So they can get back and cover. But then once they realize that it's going to be a run, they'll go ahead and get right back and, they and did. defend that run. And as well as that front, that, that front two, if you will, because they, they have a they play what a two five, a, a two four five defense. Mm. Oh yeah, because it was a, a like a Dominican Sue, right? And the other yeah. kid. Sue and Vea played yeah. the, the, the front. And then KPP on the other side and uh Shot Barrett. Yeah, right they, they the technically had them listed as outside linebackers. Mm. So yeah, they run like a, 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 a two five four or two four five or something weird like that. But technically, you know, it, it still is a six man front, right? right. With, with five defending. But it just happens to be that those linebackers are capable of covering based upon what players call. But yeah, that's that, that deep. That that's the reason why probably. I mean, still, um, a a a a a, a layer still rushed seven yards per carry. Yes. And the fact that yes. they didn't run him more. He only ran yes. the ball nine times. He ran the ball right. nine times. But right. I guess they just gave up on the run. And plus they were down by so much that they just kept attempting to try the passing game. But once again, Philly 
uh, uh, Philly Andy showed up. So, <laughs> so much for last year's Super Bowl cleansing his cleansing that palate, if you will, wash away those sins. Well, the, the, when, like you said, when that offensive line returns, yeah. oh, that that should that should end up getting them back to KC Andy again. Yeah, yeah y'all see the uh, the press con- press conference where the, the guy mistook um Byron Leftwich for Ty Bowles. Yeah, what's his name? What's his name? We posted that um, um, uh, Emmanuel Acho from uh, Speak for Yourself. Yeah, they, they uh, tweeted that out. Made it a big thing, and you know, wanted to make it a race issue, and you know, people had their opinions on it, yeah. saying uh-huh. the guy, you know, you being a a you know a, a media having media credentials, you should know the difference between Ty Bowles and Byron Leftwich. You know right. how they who they are. You know, you know, they were saying basically that he, you know, he did it because they were both black, trying to say black people all look like it, it, they went, you know, a lot of different places with it. But I was just wondering if you guys saw that because I thought that was interesting as well. And yeah, I thought I he handled it very well. He was like, he no, did. He did. He, he, handled the, uh, uh, he, he, he got that defense right to, to stop, you know, um, mm-hmm. stop the Chiefs. So, yeah. He handled that with a plum. He did a great oh, yeah. job on that. Yeah. Oh, most definitely. But I'll say this though, Rashad. For a guy who 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 does media um and can't be a dummy, the way that I <laughs> resolve that, I let everybody else ask a question or two. And while they're asking questions, I'll listen and pay attention and figure right. out who it is. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's right. the way to do it. That. Right, right. That's the way to do it. But they also <laughs> they also say who it is that's being interviewed before the interview yes, starts. Yes, oh, thank you. So it's not They new. announce it. They right. announce it. Pay attention, <laughs> dude. Right. Right. Oh, my God. I mean, I understand it, it, it's a mistake. Mistakes happen. I get it. But there are ways to elude it. And, and dude, that's my biggest fear when I do media is that I hate asking questions that could, per, that could be perceived as being dumb, even right, by right. me, right? Yeah. Even though... <laughs> Even though they're questions that people ask anyway because they still want to get some sort of answer or response from someone, mm-hmm. sometimes hoping to get gold, I just I, I, I don't ask those questions because I don't want to look like a dummy and then I most definitely don't want to call nobody by the wrong name. God, no. Mm. But yeah, there are ways to, to get around that. You know what? It's still the worst question so many years later. Was when Stud Fool asked Doug Williams how long has, has it been a black quarterback? Wow. Right before they played Denver. Yeah. I remember that was how old was that? Was that 10, 11 years old? I still nah, you, you were a little bit older than 11 because I was 12. Okay, I was probably 14. So that's 1987, yeah. I guess, 88. But I was gonna say I don't remember that, but apparently I was just born because I that was I was born in 86. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, know. like I told you earlier, I'm a little bit older than you. <laughs> Oh, Rashad was straight F R E S H. He was fresh, fresh. No, that's fresh. Fresh out the womb, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that. That's that question asked Doug Wins so long has been a black quarterback. That's still, that's still the worst, most egregious question of all time. That's just. It, 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 but one of the, once again, Rashad, it's one of those questions that you know that dude really wasn't thinking. Mm-hmm. It was trying to get an answer. And, and 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 of course, thank God, Doug gave him that uh, a, a proper response with that. But yeah, do you guys remember what his response was? Because I'm, I'm I I don't I don't I just remember okay. the, the, the hubbub about the whole thing. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. That would I gotta look that up. I got I, oh, oh. I, I, it's somewhere it's somewhere on YouTube. I, I know I, it has I to be somewhere on YouTube. It has yeah. to be. 
Yeah. Gotcha. So, I'll that's all. Go ahead. I was just gonna say I gotta look into that because I'm interested in this, interested to see how uh, Doug Williams responded. Mm. That's a great story, though. Guys. I'm gonna look it up after this podcast. Uh, maybe maybe look it up after this ends and talk to y'all. But anyway, um, <laughs> speaking of quarterbacks, mm-hmm. um, I never thought I'd see the day the NFL will turn to the NBA in terms of player movement and player empowerment in terms of dictating where you want to go. First, mm-hmm. we all know it's Deshaun Watson, right? You know. He wants out of the, the, the shithole that's the Houston Texans organization. And I don't blame him from things I've read. We've all read about what's going on in Houston for the past few years, plural. Mm-hmm. Um, also, now you got your boy, uh, Dwayne, uh, Carson Wentz went out of Philly. Yeah. Got the fact he had many years left on his contract. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he has a huge cap number. Mm-hmm. I didn't think Philly would look to move him, but I guess. He said he looked at what Deshaun's doing and said, well, bump this. I could do this shit, too. And one out. And, and the word on the street is he's about to be traded sooner rather than later. Yeah. And we've seen, we've seen both uh, um, uh, Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff be traded for one another. Where yep. Jared Goff, yeah, traded for, 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 for one another. And I didn't think the Reds would be able to move off of that contract. So you see now that quarterbacks and players – well, it has to be quarterbacks, right? But quarterbacks realize how much power they have. And that if they're not happy, they gotta, they gotta, they gotta do what they gotta do to get the, whether to get the organization put pieces around them or whatnot. He's already seen what Russell Wilson's saying, right? He he's saying mm-hmm. he's saying he's fed up. Because he's getting hit too much. He's fed up with the offensive philosophy, all that. So I'm like, well, damn. Right. They say Scott. what James Harrison James Harden did in Houston. Now they're doing the NFL, but you about to say something, Rashad. Yeah, I was, I was just going to say, and, and now just to add to what you were saying, um, the news with Dak Prescott about uh, the hype video that, that – Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dak and how he was – That was an oversight. <laughs> and now um, – I, I don't buy, you know, too much into social media stuff, but now they're talking about how he's now following another football team or something – on uh, one of his social media accounts and how, you know, players really don't ever do that, you know, and it kind of looks like they're being disloyal. And so there are some, some rumblings about Dak. I mean, we know he hasn't gotten a long-term deal yet and, you know, everything's kind of been up in the air about him and his camp reaching terms with the Cowboys and, you know, them, you know, franchising them, you know, a couple of years. And so it's, it's crazy, man. Player movement is ridiculous now, man. And it's like you said, a whole nother league of, you know, in and of itself. You know what? The NFL's worked so hard to keep this from happening over the years. They've mm-hmm. hamstrung the players. They've taken mm-hmm. them to the clearance of every CBA mm-hmm. negotiation. Mm-hmm. They have no guaranteed contracts. Mm-hmm. They have the franchise tag, the treasures mm-hmm. tag. They, they, they put the kibosh on players. They worked very hard to do this over the years. Mm-hmm. A lot of people blame Gene Upshaw, but you know it is what it is, right? The, like the late Gene Upshaw. But to see it now, Still on the turn. Again, Matthew Stafford dealt with Jared Goff, swap, swap places. Mm-hmm. Now you see the Sean. So you know that, and I think Jenner Sharp or someone said this that players, not teams around, owners around the league are hoping and praying that Houston holds the line with the Sean. Because if the Sean gets what he wants, at the sign of the extension, before the extension kicks in, but at the sign of the extension, if they can't hold on to him, 
and you see what's going on with Carson Wentz, potentially Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. They know if Deshaun gets out, that's going to open up a whole nother can of worms, and that's yeah. going to be a trickle effect, you know. And they're thinking it might get out of hand with other people thinking they can take the same approach and you know kind of wiggle their way out of contracts and in two other cities. And so I'm pretty sure they're they're hoping uh, that they you know Deshaun will stay in Houston and hold forth. But see, that's that's the thing, and, and and you know I say this on the show all the time, right? I, I hate to beat my chest when I say something that's kind of prophetic, but I don't. Because I said it on this show, actually, that this type of activity is very NBA-esque. So I'll go ahead and give this show credit and you credit, Scott, for inspiring me to think that way. Because I'm not normally a genius outside of the show. You know, it's normally when I get here in front of this camera and talk to you. So that's that's where that comes from. But, yeah. This it's and you said it before, and everyone else has been saying it ever since. I mean, hey, if anyone don't, if you doubt me, go back and listen to the tapes. Go back a couple of years ago. I said it on here first, but still, yes, it's mm. very NBA esque. <laughs> and the thing is, and we've said it here on this show as well. It's only up in, in positions of need because we've seen other great players just say we've seen owners and GMs say, "Hey, you don't want to play for the contract that we got for you? You can go to the crib." Right. Ricky Waters, and we've yeah. seen other people after him get told, "Hey, you don't want to, you don't want to play for the contract you got. Go to the crib." Right. But being that quarterback is such a position of need in this mm-hmm. league, and mm-hmm. you just can't just pluck a QB out of college mm-hmm. or, or or get an undrafted free agent QB and have him run your organization. Because mm-hmm. as has been said time and time again, the quarterback is the most important position in professional sports here in America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because any other spot is replaceable or you can get that responsibility on someone else and then you go win that way. But in the NFL, it's rare that a team can win with a bad QB. It's yeah. very rare. Yeah. It's not impossible. Yeah, two examples, but, the Ravens and the, and the Buccaneers. Yeah. Oh, my wins. God, yes. Yeah. Right? Ray Lewis. But, but it, yeah, but, it, yeah, but even that Buccaneers squad with, with Brad Johnson, Brad Johnson is a comparable. Yeah, he is pretty good right. that season. He had right. a good yeah. Super Bowl too. Yeah. Yeah, so, and he's had good seasons. And he's had right. good seasons after, unlike right. Tom Flacco. You know, but I digress, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, the QB position is such a position of need, and everybody don't have it. When have matter of fact, we just did a we just did a hot seat on this last night on on, on Sleazy, Sleazy Sports. You can go check it out on Facebook Live on our Facebook account where we did the uh, the quarterback carousel. And based upon the information that we talked about last night, there's 17 teams that are greatly in need, or not greatly in need, but are in quarterback uh, uh, purgatory right now because they don't know exactly what's going to go on with their starting QB. Mm-hmm. Now, teams like Pittsburgh and Green Bay, their talks on whether or not those guys are going to come back, but they're still kind of hovering within that purgatory of just in case if they don't want to stay and take less money. What are right. we going to do? And then, of course, all of a sudden, Seattle burst into that boat as well. So that's twenty teams out of thirty-two teams that don't have the don't have concrete stability at the quarterback spot, which lets you know it's very hard to get a good QB. And they already, like we said, we are you already know that you can't win without one. Well, it's hard to win without one. Right. So look at Carolina. Very, yes, look at Carolina. Teddy Bridgewater, we're trying, and I just saw that we tried to get rid of him and get Matthew Stafford. 
It didn't right, come out, right. It did come out initially, but later, once he was already, you know, traded to the Rams, it, it surfaced that, you know, we 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 actually had talks and tried to recover uh tried to get him. The only thing that that kind of set it back was um I think uh one of the reports we had to do and then come to find out the Rams took a better deal. But uh yeah, we yeah. tried to get that as well, man. So yeah. How close you get- Go ahead, Scott. No, I was gonna I was gonna ask Washawa uh uh quick, how close were your Panthers to landing uh Matthew Stafford? Do you remember? It, it, it was very close. We had a oh. we had a deal that um a package that we put together that the Rams were pretty much interested in and um we're thinking about taking. But I guess wow. um yeah wow. I didn't know it was that close. Detroit, Detroit slipped in and came with something a little stronger. But uh, yeah, that, that it, it was very close. I think it came down to it was almost to the point to where like they were the only thing that would have been standing in the way was his paperwork and the physical. And then right mm-hmm. at the last second. Wow, the Rams slipped in. in. Yeah. Yeah. They wow. said uh Bay McVeigh liked uh the other deal. Detroit's deal a little bit better, and that was it. And so, wow. yeah, we're, we're stuck right now, quarterback purgatory. And I mean, not to, you know, to belittle Bridgewater, but apparently we don't think he's the answer. Giving him right. all that money and then now trying to go out and, you know, get it any other quarterback we can. I mean, but it's, it's not his fault. I mean, right. you know, we, we have to – we're transitioning and rebuilding. We have to figure out what we, we're, we're doing ourselves first. Right. And so, yeah. But yeah, but see, th- three positives in, in, in the, the, the Bridgewater situation at least, right? One, he actually had a respectable season this past year. Right. Two, yes. he's not making more than 20 mil. And, and, and when you look at starting QBs in this league right now, the, the, the going rate is at least 22 to 25. Right. right. So if you can get you a QB around that or less than that, man, you're winning. Because, of course... The, the, the more comparable QBs and some lesser ones are getting at least 30 or more. And, and, and that's the thing, because those are the guys right now who are like, okay, you know what? If I don't like the situation I'm currently in. And I can leave. I'm going to go ahead and force my way. And, 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 and that's the whole beauty <laughs> of this situation that, you know, one, the NFL doesn't necessarily have to worry about the NFL going that complete route. Because it's only, like I said before, positions of need. And I don't know off the top of my head another position that could potentially get away with it. The only other spot that I can think of is probably the tackle spot. Mm-hmm. And, and that's more so the tackle that protects that QB's blind side based upon the QB that you have. So, of course, primarily that would be the left tackle. But I don't know if, if, if we're going to see that anytime soon coming from an old lineman. Well, no, actually, no, we did. We actually did. We saw that with Trent Williams. Not the same uh, boy, yeah. This past year. Yeah. Um, with him wanting his way out of Washington. So, yeah, th- those are the only two positions where – but that was that was more so him really being disgruntled and not wanting to play with the organization and the organization saying – the way his, his deal was. I think he had one year left. And had he, 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 if he wanted to sit out, he could have just sat out, and then Washington wouldn't have got any compensation whatsoever. Right. So this is more; there was more so beneficial to, for them to go ahead and trade him and get compensation in that spot. But yeah, I, I, I think that that tackle spot might be the next to be able to do it. But yeah, quarterback is most def, most definitely the spot to do it in the NFL. So Dwayne, right, quick. Let me, real quick, where yeah, does Washington go, quarterback wise? Where does Washington go? I mean. 
You let Haskins go. Alex Smith, we know, you know, he's still, I think, a little bit hobbled. You uh -huh. know, you know, Heineke, what, 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 what's your perspective on that? Well, as of right now, of course, well, well, as of today, really, um, Heineke was resigned today, two years, um, 8.2 million. Yeah. So for 4 million a modest. year, right. it's very modest. You know, there are a lot of backups that get more than, than that. So it's, He's it's a fantastic. I remember him in Carolina. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh man. When, when, with the way um, that dude, I, 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 once again, I said on the show before, I, I heard his ODU coach come on local radio and talk about him and his playing ability. Right. And unfortunately mm -hmm. I didn't necessarily get a chance to see him play in Carolina. So yeah. based off of his, his description, I was hyped. He was, and, he did a pretty good job whenever, you know, cause he backed up Cam. There were yeah. a couple he played and he was very serviceable. You know, he didn't turn the ball over a lot. You know, he wasn't Cam, but at the same time, he didn't lose us the game. He know? did his job. He did his exactly. job. He did his job. The, the only question with him and with Alex was who are the only two QBs that are currently um, on the, uh, paid on the roster is their, their health and how long they can stay healthy. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we saw that Heineke dealt with some issues within a playoff game where he was hobbled toward the end of the game. And apparently he has a history of being hurt when he was in Carolina as well. But the thing is, excuse me, he, he knows Smith's offense and it's thriving in it. And the, the, the fact that he was willing to sign here in Washington because the OC here was the only one to really believe in him from the beginning speaks volumes on one his faith and wanting to want wanting to continue to grow within that offense and two finally for what's here in dc them bringing back their own now as it pertains to alice what he's going to do we're still waiting to hear i guess within the next month on um, whether or not he wants to continue playing or not and then from there i guess washington will decide whether or not it's worth the, the, the juice to, to keep him or go ahead and cut him and uh, take that, that what, $19, $20 million cap hit. But either way, um, it's going to be very interesting to see what they do beyond that because there's still some belief that they're going to go after at least another mid-range QB to go ahead and compete with Alex Smith if he decides to stay and Tyler Heineke. Let me give you, let me close the seminar on this. On the scale of one to five, one being the least likely, the five being the most likely, mm -hmm. are the five quarterbacks to change addresses for this coming season. Mm -hmm. Sean Watson, what's the likelihood? Rashad, I start with you, D nice, you pick it up. Mm, that's a tough one. I'd, I'd say three. Mm. I'd say three. You're on the fence. Because, yeah, because I, I just think, I really think ownership is going to drag this out and make this tough for him. I just have that feeling. And, um, you know, with him <clears throat> having a long-term deal that he has, I know he won't right. talk that he's dead set on that. But mm -hmm. I think they're going to make it tough for him. Um, I take three for uh, Watson. How about you, D? Rashad takes three. I'm taking one. Um, I know they really want to go ahead and try to keep him here and try to convince him to stay here under um, David Cauley. And I don't know how that's going to necessarily work out. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> based upon what we've seen with Cauley in the past, it's kind of a dumpster fire right there. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping better um, with that. But, um, yeah, uh, 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 according to what's being said by the off by the front office there in Houston, they don't want to get rid of him. And then, of course, it's alleged they're asking price. 
it's a little steep, which it's it's kind of like they're they're saying, "Hey, Miami, we want our stuff back." But in order to do that, they're going to have to get rid of a guy who doesn't want to be there anymore, and then Miami's going to have to be willing to take on that contract and then have him compete with Tua or potentially move Tua as well. So move Tua, yeah. Right. Yeah, so it's going to be a very interesting thing to see if they do that. And if they do move on, it's going to have to be a situation that's done before the draft. Right. But I really doubt that they do that um, unless somebody comes with a very, very good deal. And the question is, who's going to panic? Because I, I, I really believe at this point, everyone else is waiting to see how the other dominoes fall before they even approach um, at least another one or two dominoes, those dominoes being Derek Carr and Carson Wentz. Once yep. those guys make a move, then I think everyone else is trying to make a move on the likes of, say, um, Deshaun Watson, Marcus Mariota. Who else is – Matt Ryan is said to kind of be in that quarterback carousel. Yeah, yeah. And then whether or not uh, Pittsburgh is completely sold on Big Ben. Sorry. I know – I know he wants we to restructure be. his deal. We shouldn't see, be. That was a funny thing, right? We shouldn't be. We shouldn't be. See, <laughs> we shouldn't be. He costs forty-one. He costs forty-one mil. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, D. I didn't mean to cut you off. That's he, fine. That's fine. He costs forty-one million dollars against the salary cap. You gotta uh-huh. ask yourself is this question: Are you are you going to be good with them? The answer is probably they're going to be okay, but not. They're not going to be. They're not going to be better than Baltimore. They're not going to be better than Cleveland. I mm-hmm. never thought I hear myself say that. They're not gonna be better than Cleveland. Wow. Right? I I Cleveland's better than they are. Baltimore's better than, than they are. I don't care if we swept them last year. Baltimore's right now is better than we are. And you and if and then if they get the and the Cincinnati gets their shit together here and gets mm-hmm. and gets the they stud that they do have in and Joy Burrow, if they get him an offensive line, they got the skill positions. Mm-hmm. If they get him an offensive line, we're probably not better than they are on offense either. So just whip the damn band-aid off and start over. Just, 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 just build, just use the Kisari that use the 41 mil to build around Mason Rudolph, right? Get draft some offensive linemen, draft the running back, mm-hmm. improve it. Well, the defense is nice. So let's just keep the depth there. But improve on the offensive line, get a running back, and see how Mason does. If it does great, wonderful. If not, then we'll be in the position of a quarterback anyway, but we're out of that forty-one million dollar like anchor that's around our necks. That's not well, what I think. I just ripped the bandit off and start because we're not we're not beating Kansas City, we're not beating Indianapolis, we're not beating Tennessee, we're definitely not beating Buffalo. They kicked their asses twice year after year, and we're not even better than the Chargers. Mm. So again, just rip the damn bandit off, start over. I'll go ahead and say this again because I said it on this show a lot. That sounds like a whole lot of Steeler angst to me, and I completely understand. I, I know how that happens, right? But you know, <laughs> before the season ended, they were the front office was basically saying if, if Big Ben wants to stay, he, he's going to have to restructure his contract. Correct. And he said that he's willing to do so. Right. So, so if, if, if depending upon where they get, right, mm-hmm. I, I and they restructure, I, I'm believing he stays if they can get on the restructure. But it's not to say that the, the front office might pump, might not pump fake on them and say, oh, you want to restructure? Uh, we still don't like that. We want to move on. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But he is willing to restructure. The, the thing is, is he going to restructure to the liking 
of what Pittsburgh is going to want to do. Yeah, I'm sorry I got I got sidetracked with Big Ben, but uh, we could do, do one more. That's quarterback. fine. We can do one more quarterback, right? Right, quarterback. I saw I saw you D nice. I kicked it back to Rashard. Mm-hmm. Um, on a scale of one to five, one being the least likely, one mm-hmm. being five being the most likely, the probability that Carson Wentz gets moved before next season. Carson Wentz, one to five. Yeah, four, four. I feel I'm you. going four because um, I mean. They're saying Indianapolis and Chicago are are are, are Indianapolis heavy, perfect heavy favorites. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see, especially with with Frank Wright having that um, Andy Reid connection. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting. To, well, I mean, he didn't necessarily play under Andy, did he? He didn't play under Andy, but he played under um, Peterson, who has the the Andy connection. Correct. Yeah. So. As a matter of fact, Frank Frank was there in Philly with Frank 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 Coaster. Yeah, yeah, so he was a so yeah, that's his boy. So if he can go ahead and, and and get there and get comfortable there, it most definitely it'll be a situation that'll work out. And and I keep saying this year in and year out, after losing Andrew Luck, if the Indianapolis Colts can go ahead and get consistency at the quarterback spot, they're going to be dangerous. And Rashad, I swear, um, when I saw, uh. Darius Leonard get drafted by the Colts. I said to myself, thank God he's not in the NFC East. But what happens? <laughs> week two, he plays against Washington. And when he played in D.C., I said, uh, oh, no one else knew about him. Right, right. I was sitting there shaking my head saying, uh-oh. And I told my dad I was watching the game with him. I said, watch out for 53. Yep. And he's like, who is 53? You'll see. <laughs> You'll see. Yeah, and, and and when he did it, I said this defense is going to cause fits because yeah. not just him, a lot of players on that defense are fast. And right, they yes. move to the ball right. and they and make they're young. Plays. And right, they're young. young, young, yeah. So yeah, they need to go ahead and hurry up and get another um, uh, and they can get a, a quality QB there. And if they can get Carson Wentz in there, a guy that has been able to lead a team two uh, 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 10-plus win records, not like this team is already ca- not capable of it, even with that great defense, they'll be that much better. So, yeah, especially with a guy that knows the offense already. Right. How about you, Rashad? Yeah, I- I'll see Dwayne, uh, see Dwayne up one more and go five. For, uh, <laughs> Carson Wentz, I just think it's a matter of time. Mm-hmm. Um, not not if, but but when. Um, he makes an ex- uh, excellent point. Um, you know, and I, I actually looked at Indianapolis too. I think him going to the Colts would give them, you know, like you said, uh, if they could get some more stability, he might be the guy that could add to that. But I think, I think he'll get moved, and you know, probably before next year with Hurts playing the way he has, and you know, I think they're gonna move forward with Hurts and you know just take their chances with him. He seemed pretty solid. He had a pretty solid end to the. To this year, and uh, right. I, I agree. I'll say five. Yeah, I mean, Wentz to Indianapolis makes too much damn sense. I mean, Frank Reich is there. He was his old coordinator in, in Philly. He feels comfortable with them, right? I mean, before, remember when during the Super Bowl year in Philly, when he got hurt against the Rams, he was having an MVP season. People, a lot, yeah. of, people, a lot of people, like forgot about that. Most definitely so, was having the MVP so season. Yeah, I think give give him the and I'm pulling for the young man. I, I, you don't want to see a young young man fail like this, right? So, I think a change of scenery, especially going going back to Frank Reich, will help him a lot. And he doesn't have anything to lose. I mean, he's in the division with Tennessee, right? 
Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's not, it's in Indianapolis, that's a small media market. It's, he won't get hounded by talk shows or, you know, Philly's harsh in their sports stars. That's just the way it is. Yeah, yeah, we know this. <laughs> they're harsh in their cheese states. Yes. Yes, they're harsh. They booed Santa Claus back in the day. So there you go. But <laughs> they the thing. They beat up the, 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 the fan mascot for watching. <laughs> They beat up my man Chief Z. My God. Uh, but the point is, is that I think I think uh wins to Indianapolis makes too much sense. And I think if Houston's gonna make a move going back to um Watson real quick, it's gonna have to be before the draft. If if the draft comes and goes still Houston Texan, he's not going anywhere. Yes. You know, they need the draft picks. They have no first nor second round pick, Houston doesn't. They don't have any first or second round picks. So if if they want picks, they want to rebuild. They don't want to do it, but they might have to unload Watson if they want to get those picks for this year's draft. Because they, they could get those picks for him easily. It's a matter of just swallowing their pride if they want to do so or not. So that, God, that's that just... about Sam Darnold and the approach. Oh, yeah, Sam Darnold's another one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you guys think he'll be on the way out too? Because I heard he might be staying. But... A lot of good young quarterbacks, you know, at the top of that draft that could be selected. You think about Fields from Ohio State. Um, the young quarterback from uh, BYU. Um, yeah. North Dakota State, that guy. Trey Lance from, yeah, Trey Lance yeah. from Dakota State. Um, yeah. yeah, a couple names. So I guess they're trying to figure out what they're going to do. And, you know, with that pre- predicament with uh, Darnold, you know, with new coach being in, you know. Exactly, yeah. yeah. No allegiance to him. So, yeah. I mean, Sam wasn't his guy. You know, he just mm-hmm. kind of right. walked in. Now he might want to get his own young buck in there. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, it's going to be interesting it's going to be because the draft is what in April. So the next yeah. month and a half is going to be very interesting because mm-hmm. I think all these moves gets done before the draft. Yeah. If they're going to make a move. Well, I mean, they, they, they had no choice. And then another guy real quick that, that we haven't discussed is, or another team that we haven't discussed real quick is what's going to happen in new Orleans. Now, of course mm. you have the situation with Drew Brees. I saw a report that Drew might be retiring. And if that is the case, another one of those mid-tier QBs will be on the negotiation um, shelf as well, and that will be Jameis Win- uh, Winston. Right. Because, of course, uh, uh, it's a huge possibility that New Orleans is going to want to be back Jameis because they may not be happy with the way that Taysom Hill looked in, the, right. in his um, substitution. Um, during the last Tim year. Tebow. That's what he was. Yeah. yeah, basically, right? He was he had a lot of issues throwing the ball. And right. we know that Jameis can throw the rock. Now the question is whether or not he's gonna throw it to his teammates or not. Um, but that's that's more <laughs> so you now maybe he'll be better. He got he got his eyes fixed. So I was just about to say that, Rashad. <laughs> I was just about to say that. That LASIK is known to do some wonders, and right. plus Bruce Arians offense is known to be a, a make a, a, a guy that's not capable of turning the ball over to a turnover machine. You don't believe me. Look at Tom Brady and him throwing the most interceptions he's ever thrown in the season this past year. Right. So if, if, if he can go ahead, he already knows the offense. If he feels comfortable being in New Orleans and, and believes he's going to be the starter there, you know, it'll be very interesting to see whether or not he stays there or if he decides to go elsewhere. But yeah, uh, Jameis is another name that I've heard bouncing around as a potential grad for a lot of teams that may not be comfortable with their quarterback spot right now. All right, we're going to move to a totally different direction right quick. And I wasn't planning to do this before today, to be honest with you, but y'all heard what's going on with Mark Cuban and his decision not to go with the national anthem. Now, 
at first he said that he was going to move away from it. He was, he's been saying that like since last season. Um, but the thing is like, cause he had, um, apparently like, he had, he, he asked for uh, the commissioner Adam Silver's blessing. And Adam was like, Hey, if you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it. And it turns out that it's, I guess when Wink, when the, hit the news cycle last night, late last night and earlier today, he came around, turned around and said that it was, it's going to be a trial run, whatever that means. So I, I'm of two minds here. For one, I'm old enough to remember where they didn't really play the national anthem at games, only at, only at the Super Bowl, only the national championships. They, they, it wasn't really a thing until the NFL got in bed with the military. And as far as that, in that case, and the NBA, I don't know if they, I don't know if they did the same thing, but the NBA, we didn't really know about it until the guy from known as Trish, Chris Jackson refused to stand mm-hmm. back in the 90s. That's when we started to know about it. But to me, the national anthem guys means different things to different people. You know, I love this country. I know you two brothers love, love this country, but let's be real. And I think we're sharing a brand on this. The, the national anthem doesn't mean the same to me as much as I love this country as it does to my white neighbor. And that's just being honest. I, I've never been the type to, I take my hat off, I, but I usually just look down or look up. I rarely put my hand over my heart. And that's because of my own experiences. You know, I integrated a white neighborhood when we moved down from Brooklyn, New York, experienced all types of drama there. And my dad grew up doing the doing doing. He grew up in the Jim Crow South, when it was doing the turn of the civil rights movement. So the civil rights movement. My mother's from the north, so I have a different perspective than my white brother and sister. And I'm just being real about that. I'm sure you guys have feel similar. I know many black people and other people of color, particularly our Latinos, Latinas, our Native Americans, especially they have different feelings about it. So to me, it wouldn't hurt my feelings if they stopped doing the national anthem. And let's be real about one more thing. When was the last, you guys been to games. So when was the last time, if you're getting popcorn, you're taking a piss doing the national anthem. And of course, they, you can hear, they pipe the sound out to the concessions and to the bathrooms. So it's not like you don't know. I've never, I don't, I don't know if it's different now, but the years I've spent going to games, sporting event, live sporting events, college, pro, whatever, I've yet to see people in the bathroom put the, stop taking the piss, put the hand on the heart, and take the hat off. I've yet to see people, hear people <laughs> straining from holding the shit in <laughs> during the national anthem or standing up on the toilet seat. I knew it was during the national anthem. I've yet to see people. <laughs> And people talk in the bathroom. I've yet to and get drunk. I've yet to see those drunk, drunk people stop talking about shit about each other's team and put their hand over the heart, take off the hat, and do an after the anthem. I've yet to see people at the concession stands stop buying beer and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I've yet to see that. I've yet to see people put their hot dogs down and overpriced french fries down put the hand over the heart. You see what I'm getting at. The, to the point is, I think it's hypocritical for people to go to get up in arms about this stuff, about the anthem, 
And I can take it a couple steps further. I've yet to see people in sports bars stop what they're doing, stand up, or left hand, yeah, left hand over heart, yeah, and do that. I've yet to see people at Super Bowl parties do the same thing. I've, I've yet to see any of that shit happen. And I've been, I've been going to games and going to Super parties for at least the last 10 plus years. I've yet to see that. So to me, the whole thing is hypocritical. I think it's a waste. It's like why I don't think people will get up in arms. I mean, hell, we stopped doing the national, doing the uh, pledge of allegiance and 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 having references to God in elementary school. And last I checked, they still go to class. Mm-hmm. They still take the school bus to school. They still reading announcements in the homeroom and go to lunch and go to recess and go home. So, I just all I say all that crap to say this. I think. I think it's a much to do about nothing. I don't think that's big of a deal. If people, st- if they, if they, if, if, if all of a sudden the NBA, and NFL, Major League Baseball, and the like decide, you know what, we're not going to do this shit anymore. It's too controversial. It's not a big deal anyway. Let's just move on. I think the outrage, a lot of the outrage is just ridiculous. Because again, if you've been to any sporting event, been to a sports bar, if you've been to Super Bowl parties, do they really? Do they really? Stop what they're doing, doing the national anthem. No. It's rare. It is very rare. The ones the ones I've been to, they don't. And this is a I'll mixture say, of white, black, and any type of ethnicity or creed or whatever. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I'll, I'll say this so real quick. Yeah. Um, I've been a lot more cognizant of what's been going on during the national anthem, of course, since the Colin Kaepernick kneeling incidents, right? And... Um, yeah, I, I, I've started to notice people who are oddly enough in the concession area that will stop and take their hat off, right? But it's few and far between. Right. I would say probably like maybe two people out of everybody that's out there in that section might do it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to your point, yeah, you're better than me. I might not take my hat off. I'll stay seated. And I'll say this, like, I don't want how I feel about the country to rub off on my son. And with him being in the military now, he's probably going to be a little bit more militant. Sorry for um, the, the lack of a better term in terms of how he treats the national anthem. Sure. But, um, you know, because I, I wanted his <clears throat> thoughts about the country to be his and not based on mine. Right. Um, so when, whenever he, he would ask me or whatever, I would tell him. Um, I wouldn't tell him not to stand or tell him not to do certain things. But, yeah, I would just I just noticed that. God, the obsession about what happens to the national anthem over the past couple of years has just been so crazy to me. I wish they would have focused on the issues and the problems that cause us not to want to stand during the national anthem as much as they are concerned about us not standing for it. You know what? If you were to focus your attention on why we're not standing, we probably would stand. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? If you go ahead and show us love, if you respect us, the same people who we've been considered to be three-fifths of a man, yeah. maybe we would go ahead and stand up during the national anthem, dude. Right. I'm just saying. Just a matter of acknowledgement. I mean, and yes. that's, that's, a, that's one of many examples. Again, we three of us, we love this country. It's the best country yes. in the world. We travel, so we know that for a fact. I'm just saying... It means different things to different people. And that's it just does. being real. It does. 
put you into, just focus on that stuff more than you focus on us not standing. And then I'll say this too, because I thought it was interesting. Scott, I don't know if you noticed it because I, I, I didn't hear you bring it up. Mm-hmm. But the NBA did come out with a statement today saying that, you know, they're going to go ahead and mandate that all of the teams do play the national anthem before oh, every that. game. Okay. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, they okay. went ahead and made an announcement today okay, got it. Okay. being based on a long standing policy. That they're going to from go the ahead Star and era, yeah, from the Denver Star. Yeah, that they're going to go ahead and mandate that that all teams do this, <clears throat> and that's why I keep telling people, you know, who believe that the NBA is better than the, the NFL. I'm like, but by how much? Right. I mean, yes, I get yeah. it. The owners are very are, are leaps and bounds more progressive in the NBA than they are in the NFL. Yes, mm-hmm. I get that. But when you talk about the league itself, based upon how they handle this stuff. The NBA, they 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 they, they do things in a, in a nicer way. They do mm-hmm. it in a. Goodell just don't care. Goodell is just this blunt dude that says, "Hey, it's going to be my way. I'm doing what I can to protect this to to, to protect this shield, um, and I'll die on this shield sure, before yeah. I allow the integrity <clears throat> of this league to go down." Yeah. And that's based upon what I feel as though the integrity of this league is. Mm-hmm. And if that, for them, of course, that includes the national anthem, unfortunately, um, to a certain degree. Because, of course, now with certain things and the climate moving the way that it has, they, they, they started to waver on that a little bit, even though, of course, certain ownership still doesn't necessarily care. But this is just more evidence that, you know, this longstanding policy, which could be changed, was the line from coming to America. It, it, you know, if, 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 if no, the, the, the one, um, it's, it's something to the effect of, uh, who, who are you to not be able to change the law? You're the king. Right. Right. So dude, you're the commissioner. If you want to change this longstanding, uh, a uh, 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 policy, that's potentially a, an issue within the league. Change it. You're the commissioner, dude. Right. You right. can do it. You have the power to do it. Or you can go ahead and talk to the other owners in the league and get it done. Don't go ahead and fall back on this, this thing. It's a cop-out to me to say, oh, uh, it's a policy. It's a long-standing policy of the league. We can't change it. Hey, if you really want to change it, you can go in and change it. So let, if you want to have that conversation, have that conversation because it looks like um, your boy Mark Cuban wants to have it. Yeah. Well, how about who are your thoughts, Rashad? Uh, quite simply for me, um, guys, on the, it's hard for me to stand for an anthem living in a country where I know I have to have conversations with my eight-year-old son and soon to be with my six-month-old, uh, you know, in, in, in a few years, you know, about how to govern themselves outside, you know, of my house and how to, to govern themselves in society and, and, and not worry about whether you get home or not. If you're driving a car, you know, to, 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 to have to have conversations with them about what to play with and what not to play with, because you can't, you can't play with this toy gun because it might look like a real gun and you might be, you know, it might be mistaken. And next thing you know, you know, you're on the news because you lost your life. This is just living in in a society like this, where it's, it's so hard for black and and brown boys and just people of color in in general um it, it's hard to um i try my best to be patriotic and like you said i i love our country but i'm with you guys it's it's, it's tough just knowing that we're still not given and afforded the rights um that we we deserve and we've spent so many years fighting for just to be equals in this country 
And uh, we the, the country still hasn't lived up to that. So right. again, as, as much as I want to, um, it's tough. I, I, I myself, I, honestly, honestly speaking, there's times when I'm at a ball game and it comes on and I'm thinking, should I stand or should I not? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, should, should yeah. I really do it? And times when like, I don't care, you know, cause what's happening in the country ain't right. You know what I'm saying? And then there, there's other times, but yeah. That's that's my perspective on it. Um, just real quick with Mark Cuban. Um, yes. I'm not surprised though because, um, he's been known to kind of, you know, push the envelope a little bit and, and and be different. When you think about the makeup of his team, you mm-hmm. know, not just minorities, but you know, just international players. Yeah. He mm-hmm. might have in the league. You know, when you think about Doncic and uh, Porzingis and bringing yes. in other other backgrounds, some right. minorities. You know, but he, you know, he's different and. He seemed to, to to be brash when it comes to that, so I'm not surprised. Um, I'm, I'm actually with him on that stance. As uh, Dwayne said, I mean, just looking at where the league is headed with this, um, they're going back and you know, kind of siding on history. This is what we've done for so long, and because it's right, you know, we've been doing it this way. Yeah, right, mm-hmm. right, and th- that just goes back to, to owners, owners, and what how what they feel is correct and what they want to do because they hold the power. But um, and I agree with him. It's not much better than the NFL. Um, maybe a little more progressive, maybe a little more leeway in terms of uh, player contracts and, you know, give affording players. It's more of a player's league, yes. Much right, more but it's, it's the same thing. Rich White, uh, billionaire owners who, at the end of the day, kind of want things their way, you know, and kind of have the power to control those policies. And so that's my take on it. Well, right, right quick, I'm, I was thinking about this, Dwayne, and you too, Rashad, and Mitchell, your, your sons. I have a... Like I said, my son turned 11 last month. And so my, my wife is more militant about it than I am. <laughs> but the thing is, is that well, she's very liberal about it. But the thing is, is that we tell our son, like when we go to FC Cincinnati games or wherever, he says, stand up and put your hand over your heart. Because we got to set the example, right? We don't want to impose our views on him. Now, I think if he's anything like me and see thesis, he's being noticing how he's noticed how things he goes to private school for crying out loud. So mm-hmm. he sees stuff. He knows what's going on. He has two eyes. He's very intelligent. He's an intelligent young man. So he's gonna do his own thing anyway. I just want just to we just want him to have his own thoughts. So that's why we set this up. Hey, just put your hand over your heart, right, left hand, wherever I forget which one, but put your hand over your heart, take your hat off. Stand with, with respect. Now, if you were to say, you know what, Dad, I don't want to, Daddy, I don't want to, I want to, I want to, I don't feel comfortable standing. I, you know what? I will down and put my hand arm around him. I'll sit with him. I'm six four. No one's gonna say much to me. I, I'm, I'm not worried about me. As long as I'm just worried about him. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's the thing. But but yeah, because Bamas will will come out of pocket at, at sporting events, dude. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I've, unfortunately heard about times where young kids have been told to perform sexual acts um, because they're wearing the t-shirt of another team. Mm. But um, I digress. Um, yeah. But, but, but yeah, it, it, exactly. And, 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 and I applaud you for that. Don't allow him to understand mm-hmm. from his own perspective and allow him to make his own decision that mm-hmm. way. Yeah. So that's, that's, so that's all I got to say. But I, I think we're all in agreement here. Look, it wouldn't hurt our feelings. Sounds like if they took away the national anthem at games, you know, it 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 go life goes on. I I could give a damn either way. If they want to have it, cool. They don't want to have it, cool. I don't care. Again, because 
it's it's like people who get all all up in arms. I think a lot of not all. I think some are sincere about it, but I think a lot of them are hypocritical because those are the same people you see at Super Bowl parties, mm-hmm. going to the games, whether it be in the bathroom, buying beer, getting drunk at tailgate. They're not standing at the attention when the when the anthem's going on. If they're doing all of those things, they're still eating, they're still talking shit, they're still taking the shit, they're doing whatever. They're not doing anything, and that's fine. I'm not criticizing for that. Because none of us, most of us don't, outside of a sport, outside of the state, outside of if you're in the, the arena itself, if you're at your seats. Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem either way. But I just right. think it's, a, it's, it's, it's pseudo-patriotism for people who get up and arms for many people. Because I think the whole thing is a hypocrite. I think a lot of them are just being hypocritical based upon those things. All right, can I say this real quick? Yeah, go um, ahead, brother. Yeah. One of the quick little piece. Um, it's, mm-hmm. For me, it's never been a disrespect to the flag. People try to make it that um, there's been people, you know, white, black, you know, Latino who fought mm-hmm. for this country and have, have shed blood and many of them paid the ultimate price given their life. And so I always salute those people who, who have served our country and have, have, you know, served us proudly, have, have risked their life. It's, it's more so um, us being able to get our rights in this country and just being treated fairly and being treated like you know, with the utmost most respect that a, a citizen deserves. That's the mm-hmm. biggest thing. It's mm-hmm. hard to do those things for your country when you're not treated fairly and you're, you know, you're, you're being mistreated in your own country. And so that's what it's always been for me. I just want to see my people get their fair, their, 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 their fair treatment. That's all. Right. That's all we ask. Just equal treatment. No more, no less. Yeah, and that's the thing. You know, those <laughs> are the military, those are the military that defend us, mm-hmm. uh, that know no, understand that that's what exactly what they're fighting for. They're fighting for our freedom to be critical of yeah, things right. that happen here. That's yeah. that's part of being free to be yes. able to do that, right? Now, um, the discussions that we're having now, freedom of exactly. speech. Exactly. Yes. Without retribution. Without retribution. All, all the things that, that, yes. that we're supposed to be, be able to be free to do, that's what they're fighting for to continue to defend that, or so we're told, right? So yeah. for those that understand that, they understand the entire situation and they don't have begrudge those that that choose to do what they do during the national anthem because they know it's not disrespectful to the country it's more so disrespectful to the conditions that are going on here and like i said before if they were to focus more so on what happens to us Mm -hmm. as opposed to what is happening during that one minute and 16 seconds Mm -hmm. then you know maybe things will be a lot better in terms of us standing for for the national anthem Great discussion, fellas. Great discussion. Again, I came this close to not having it because of when it happened with Mark mm-hmm. Cuban. But this is, I've been down to have this type of discussion for a long time with y'all anyway, but this is a great discussion. I know we're going to have many discussions in the future because we ain't done with this shit. No. So, so <laughs> I'm, I'm glad. I'm happy for the discussion. Great discussion. I'm proud of all y'all for doing so. So we'll close the show on this. As you know, uh, Rashad, like, this is Black History Month. And we're doing uh, the end of each show this month. We're going to be talking about a black achievement that many people don't know about. Mm-hmm. So, for example, a lot of people know about Jackie Robinson, know about Hank Aaron, know about Willie Mays, know about like uh, who was another one, uh, Jesse Owens, right. and you know e- even even Tommy Smith and uh, John Carlos in the next '68 Olympics. A lot of us know about that. Right. A lot of us know about Muhammad Ali. A lot of us know about Jim Brown. But mm-hmm. we're going to touch upon the 
what I call the little long sports black history moments where, um, where I think it's neat, like once, once people get to know and get to educate themselves more on black, black achievement in sports, first black achievement in sports, then I, I think it'd be really cool. So I'm gonna start off with it and we're gonna give two. If, if, if you can only have one, that's, that's fine too. So okay. I'm gonna I'm start and the way will follow and then you will, you, you'll, you'll cap things off, Sean. Okay. So, uh, my first uh, Black History moment here I have is Debbie Thomas. So a lot of people don't, some people don't know who Debbie Thomas is and that's fine. Yeah, that's, that's old school right there. It's very okay. old school because in yeah. 1986, mm -hmm. I was 13 years old at that age. So in 1986, <laughs> she became the first African-American figure skater to win the women's title at the U.S. Figure Skating Championships. And she later went on to become the first African-American to win a medal at the Winter Olympics. So I remember Debbie Thomas when, I remember watching with my dad because I got my love of sports from my father, rest in peace. Um, and so he said, he, I remember him hearing about this. He set my brother and I down because we, we don't care about figure skating, right? And the Winter Olympics, you care about hockey. If you care about the Winter Olympics, you care about hockey and skiing. Yeah. And later on, like, um, what you call that when, when you skate around the rink, like, uh, not, 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 what you call that? It's not rollerblading, obviously. It's like rollerblading on ice. Ah, what is the, 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 the speed skate? Is it speed skating? Speed skate, speed skate, speed skate, yeah. It's later on, it became speed skate. I became interested in speed skate. But anyway, the point is, is I remember my dad sitting us down and my mom, who does not follow sports whatsoever, she she came in on the room. She's like, who's this black girl on TV? And so we watched her, and that's Debbie Thomas. So 1986. And now you have this young lady now I forget her name. Oh God. I saw in the commercial that she's like a teenager. But she's the next, she's the next uh skating black skating prodigy. She's she's American. I'll, I'll put up a name in a minute. While, while you oh wow, okay. Me. But anyway, I don't want to waste the time. But the point is, is that we is that is that she's the next one in line of the of good great potential great black US American African American skater. And so this next person, some of us know about, some of us don't, mm -hmm. but some of us take him for granted. Jack Johnson, boxing, first black heavyweight boxing champion mm -hmm. when he be defeated James Jeffries um, in, uh, in 1910. And so basically this quick background, Je Jeffries talked some shit to Johnson saying that he was quote, going into this fight for the sole purpose of proving that a white man is better than a Negro. <laughs> but in the 15th round of their match, for those who do, who do those folks who know, who, who, who box historians, Jack Johnson knocked his ass out. <laughs> and Hannah Jeffries, the first loss of his career. So basically that led to what, what people tried to find the great white hype. And it was a movie, and for those who don't know, called the Great White Hat, played by James Earl Jones, the great James Earl Jones, I think it was the early 1970s. Yeah. That where he portrayed, I don't know if he portrayed Jack Johnson himself or Jack Johnson-like character, but the point is, is that they had the, the last scene of the movie where, you know, this white boxer there in Cuba where incidentally where Jack Johnson lost his title to the great, great, great white hope, not great white hype, great white hope. Um, where like where they kept going, the, the crowd was counting down one, two, 
The reason, this is in Cuba. All, all these white folks eager for Jack Johnson to lose his time crown or, the, or what's his name's, uh, James Earl Jones' character. So what really infuriated those same fans was that Jack Johnson was not shy about, about keep, keeping company with white women. But not at all. He was not shy about that. <laughs> to the point where they had a law that he was convicted on that, that, that prevented such a thing from happening. But since they crossed state lines, you know, they travel, right? Mm -hmm. That became a federal offense. And so they they acquitted him not too long ago. They pardoned him not too long ago, long after his death, obviously. But, but that's how they got him. It's kind of sounding similar to how they got Al Capone on tax evasion. They can't yeah. get him on the real stuff. Mm -hmm. They got him on tax evasion. That's <laughs> kind of sick. That's what kind of happened to Jack Johnson. They got him on. His love of white women. His love of white women. I said. Yeah, that's dude. how that's how they got him. But the point is, is that that's he's the first black champion, African American heavyweight champion of the world, and that led to the likes of of, of Joe Lewis, who's a distant cousin of mine, um, and a few others like uh, Ezra Charles. They got a street named after him in Cincinnati, Ezra Charles, mm. um, and as well as uh, a few others. So and later Muhammad Ali. So. It's, it started the succession of the of black heavyweight champions of the world. So props to Jack Johnson and props to Debbie Thomas before that. So D, I, I'll give you the floor. All right. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry I stole this one from you, Scott. But this one- <laughs> I think actually, you would though. <laughs> uh, this one's actually cool because I'm going to actually tie this one in to not only last week's conversation, mm -hmm. but a little bonus as well. So- let me start. So the person who I'm going to um, talk about is Bill Nunn. Now, um, I was vaguely familiar with Bill Nunn, but for those that paid attention, Bill Nunn was just um, announced to be a, the new induct, one of the new inductees as a contributor into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Right. So for those who, are, like I said before, unfamiliar, um, he was a scout and he was an assistant director of player um, personnel there for the Pittsburgh system as a personnel. No, he was an assistant personnel director, I'm sorry, there uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers between 1968 to 2014. So he was there for all of the Super Bowl years. Right. Um, what makes Bill Nunn so important, like I said before, he was a scout there. And he was, of course, very instrumental with uh, helping draft a lot of the players there. Um, that was part of that huge dynasty, especially during the 70s for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then, of course, again, in the 2000s. Now, what makes Bill Nunn so special is that he was very knowledgeable about players from HBCUs. Mm -hmm. Why would you say he was so knowledgeable about players from HBCUs, my ass? First and foremost, he worked with the Pittsburgh Courier, a very famous African-American newspaper during the early part of the, the 20th century. That also covered HBCU athletics heavily. And as a matter of fact, they were the first publication to do an HBCU. They were the first ones to do the HBCU poll and crown the HBCU champion mm. in football. Mm. So with that said, of course, while he was there at the post, at the, I'm going to call him the Postal Courier, my old job there in Charleston. Um, while he was at the Pittsburgh Courier, he was a sports writer there, where he eventually became the sports editor and the managing editor there at the uh, the Courier. 
that that led to him his knowledge of players for writing for the courier led to him becoming a scout and eventual um a, a personnel assistant there for the Steelers which led to them drafting such greats as uh LC Greenwood um Mel Blunt mm-hmm. um and 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 uh and, which, and John Stallworth to name a few yeah right during that 70s period um also why is none knowledgeable about HBCUs because he graduated from one. He is a graduate of one with uh, West Virginia State University, mm. where he was also a teammate of, ding, 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 one of the guys we talked about last week, Chuck Cooper, who was there at uh, yes. West Virginia State for a season, along with the great Earl Lloyd. Earl Lloyd oh, is yes. big here yes. in DC area because he's yes. right here from Alexandria, went out to West Virginia State, where, of course, Cooper was the first one to be drafted into the NBA. Lloyd was the first to ever play in the NBA. So that's another Black history fact there. But one more interesting fact. (laughs) I thought the name Bill Nunn sounded familiar. Then it hit me. Yo, his son, Bill Nunn Jr., is the famous actor bill nunn jr who went and graduated mm. from morehouse in the late 70s okay. was a classmate of one spike lee bill nunn is oh. known for a lot of roles in spike lee movies most notably radio raheem yes that's him okay shout out to the homie radio raheem wow and he also played grady in school days and of course he's also known as Dutter man in New Jack City. So there you go with Bill Nunn and the ties in which, matter of fact, Grady is one of the few HBCU athletes in cinema. The only other time that an HBCU sport was discussed in cinema was the movie, The White Tiger, starring one Ben Vereen and the former Bruce Jenner as the quarterback there grambling. So there you go with wow. a couple of my my black college, not just black college, but black sports facts. Wow. That's outstanding. I didn't know. I, I couldn't put together Bill Nunn Jr. Even though, even though he's typically he's technically the third, but still, yes. I didn't put that together with Bill Nunn Sr. if you were, even though he's really a junior. He's really junior, yeah. Yeah. I did not put that together. He's from Pittsburgh. He's from Pittsburgh. He's from Pittsburgh. Yeah. Wow. 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 That's crazy. He died young though, but that's still crazy. That's 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 crazy. Yeah, we we lost uh, none in 2016. Yeah. Yeah. 2016, 2017. Damn, I did not put that together all these years. Especially in school days, too. It was awesome school days. Yeah, playing Grady. Yeah, that that entire movie. (laughs) I know it uh, Led to a lot of people attending HBCU. Correct. Yeah, that in a different world. That in a different world. Yeah, yeah. different world. Yeah. But yeah, I had to shout out Bill Nunn and Bill Nunn. Yeah. There you go, uh, Rashad. You gonna close us out? Cool, 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 cool. So being that I'm a nuke, shout out to the nukes. Yep. You know we gotta throw three up, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna add an extra one if you don't mind. I'll make no, go ahead. Go ahead, bro. <laughs> I won't be long, uh, but I, I do want to shout out my hometown, um, Lake City, South Carolina. And being that I'm from Lake City, we have a, a lot of history in our small town. If you haven't heard of Lake City, um, it's, it's near Florence, South Carolina, maybe 20 or so miles south. And uh, kind of 
and fitting with what we were talking about earlier, Scott, um, I want to go against the grain a little bit and start with somebody who may not be a sports figure, mm-hmm. but they're, I think, someone that needs to be mentioned in terms of uh, when we think about uh, Black history, and that's mm-hmm. Ron McNair. And I think you guys... Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Appreciate that, being yes. at your boat. Uh, A&T alums because Ron yes, sir. big A&T alum. So hopefully y'all don't mind me going away from sports. That's, just, fine. That's fine. Oh, no. When you like said I, late city, I, I had an idea where you were going. <laughs> okay, cool, 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 cool. Yeah, and so I take a lot of pride in knowing that um, I'm from the same city as such an accomplished man. And not just that, um, he he knew my grandfather very well. They were very close friends. And um, like I said, uh, me and Scott talked a little bit about it earlier, but uh, Ron McNair was, as you know, um, uh, an astronaut, um, and, and that was big coming from a small town, um, growing up in the rural South, um, mm. you think about Jim Crow times, where, right. you know, and there's a story of um, the library, which is now um, named after him that he couldn't even wow. check out books from, right? That's, and so that's something they else. They denied him, yeah, they, they denied him access to books, which he, you know, he he was a scholar, and so he wanted to go get books on astronomy and you know and uh, physics and, and so many of these other great subjects because he was a he was a, a student of of the game, so to speak, as it mm-hmm. came for um, academics, and so they denied him access to the books, and he actually, as a little boy, stood up on the counter and said, "You guys are going to let me check out these books," so much to the point to where even to the white um, to the to the white librarian, she felt like a child was causing such a disturbance. They called the cops. He waited till the cops got there. They called his mom. He was still there, and so much to the point to where they said, "Look, hey, let's get this man a library card." So he was actually the first to pave the way for African American. He was the mm. first African American to get a, a library child. card in the Lake City Public Library and paved the way for others to come and do so. So I thought that was that was as a child. That's, That's awesome. Library that. Matt would at the time refused him the right to get books, and it was only for white kids, right, or, or white adults at the time. Now is named after him in Lake City, and I go there all the time, and so that's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, not a lot of people know about Ron McNair, but like you said, A and T, A and T. He's royalty. His name is royalty. Right. Yeah. Um, we have a it's building there at A and T named after him. Um, mm-hmm. McNair Hall, yes, sir. Right. Um, I think out of about seventy. 5,000 plus applicants was one of eight chosen to be an astronaut and um, be on. Uh, he actually had already gone to the moon once, came back. Um, he knew my grandfather. My grandfather was one of the organizers that helped have his parade when he came back home from his first trip. Um, wow. Right. And uh, I have a for a plaque where he uh, um, wrote a letter to my grandfather and it actually has a patch from one of his uh, NASA space um, spacesuits. I'll share with you guys. I have a picture. Yo, that's that. dope. That's cool, yeah. man. Um, remember to my grandfather, uh, who has passed as well, but um, he was a good friend of the family. Also went to the church that I go to. He was a member of Wesley United Methodist Church in Lake City, South Carolina, um, which I'm, I'm proud to say, again, I'm a member of, and he was as well. Mm-hmm. And um, he was a, an accomplished saxophonist. And actually- wow. was yeah, yeah, I heard about that. So maybe the karate piece is, you know, kind of sports- Yes! The black belt in karate. Mm-hmm. Yes! If, yeah. if you look in old A&T yearbooks, you will see him doing... I forget who that instructor was because he was still at A&T when I got there. <laughs> and, they, and he would talk about that because I think he was in the physics department. But yes, if you look in old A&T yearbooks, you can find them online. 
I'll share the the, um, the link with you guys. Yes. You can see him doing karate in the yearbooks. Yo, I forgot about that, Rashad. God. And, yeah, yeah. And, you know, pretty good football player when he played as well as, you know, as as a youth. But, you know, he his his mind was set on being, you know, the the, the scholar that he was and, and actually went on to MIT and got his doctorates and um, right. his doctorate in, uh, I want to say it was, it, it was like rocket science. I, I forget the exact term that it was, but it's, he was a rocket scientist. But a rocket <laughs> scientist. But, you know, you have that saying, well, not quite a rocket scientist. He actually was. He, I mean, mm-hmm. that's what he did. And so um, became a physicist and an astronaut, you know, and uh, an astronaut. And I'm extremely proud of him. So that's my first one. Um, Ron McNair. Um, so many schools and parks and um, different things named after. I, I hadn't, I promise you, I didn't even know being from Lake City until I actually researched it. And I, this is a crazy story. I was driving around in Charleston, South Carolina one day and mm-hmm. just kind of got lost. I wouldn't use my GPS. I like <laughs> to get my own way, you know, especially my, if I'm in a, a place I'm not very familiar with and kind of, you know, <clears throat> see around town and, and find my way. And I actually rode upon um, a school and I looked up and the building said Ronald E. McNair Junior High and I didn't even this is, I mean, this is McNair Junior High School in, in Charleston right. Actually, there's a well there's a Ron McNair Junior High School in Lake City that's named after him but a high school in Charleston South Carolina that's named after him as well yes wow. I didn't know that well until I happened since to, when yeah happened to stumble upon this was years it's still there to this day Charleston wow. South yeah. And so and then I did my research. There's so many other schools. I'm talking all the way up to New York and Jersey yeah. schools and parks and different places named after him. And so um, mm-hmm. I just want to throw that name out there. Ron McNair um, from Lake City, South Carolina. Also, I don't know if you guys ever heard of this name. He's also from Lake City. Derek Faison. He was a Howard player, played football at Howard. He's from Lake City, South Carolina mm. uh, in the 80s. And uh, I want y'all to look up that name, Derek Faison, if you don't okay. D-R-R-I-C-K-F-A-I-S-O-N. But he's from Lake City. Um, mm-hmm. Played for the Rams for a year. He actually, um, after he he finished his career, he, he, he died actually due to cardiac arrest. But um, mm. huge career in Lake City in high school. I mean, it was enough. He was averaging 40 easily. I mean, could take wow. the I played, excelled in all three sports, football, baseball, basketball. I mean, was the athlete. He was supposed to go to Clemson, right? But ended mm-hmm. up, there was an incident um, with him um, in a club one night, and somebody ended up getting killed. He happened to be there. One of his home, he didn't do it, of course, but he was, you know, I guess, with someone who actually partook in those. And, and so uh, a lot of schools passed on him because of that incident, right? Took, took wind of that and passed on him. But Howard um, actually took a chance on him. He he he's actually royalty at Howard. Um, was a big time receiver. Ended up getting drafted um, by the Rams. And so he he stayed in California in L.A. Um, after his career was over, and um, he actually became a teacher and actually ended up mm. being like uh, very heralded in heralded in uh, the public school sector and um, changed a, a, the course for a lot of students. Um, and you know, kind of into his career there and like i said he, he died at a young age because of cardiac arrest mm. and um, but he he, he was uh, that's a name that a lot of people don't know about that um i think uh people should Derek Faison. Um, wow the last one being i said i was gonna do three this would be quick <laughs> um, real quick we think about uh earl the pearl monroe right yes and i know you Woo! guys is 
but Winston-Salem State graduate, um, you know, he's a, a, a big guy when it comes to um, playing for the Knicks, right? Mm-hmm. Knicks legend, right? A uh, legend in Philly, a legend in New York, but um, he, he could fill it up. I think he averaged 41, if I'm not mistaken, in, in college, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 41 and a half points, man. And, and played under um, Earl... Earl, uh, big, uh, big games. Uh, he played Clarence, the Clarence, Clarence, Clarence games. Games. Yeah. Yeah. Clarence, big games. Yeah, not Earl. I'm sorry. Clarence, big games. Um, uh, the coach, the, the legendary coach at uh, yes. Winston State, which Stephen A. Smith talks about all the time on um, first take because he's a graduate of Winston Salem State. Yeah. And so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Earl the Pearl Monroe. Um, some people, of course, know about him, but I, when I look back at him and what he's accomplished, I think more people should know. So those are my three. Oh yeah, real quick on, on Earl Monroe. Of course, he he started out a Baltimore Bullet, so he started out here. And of course, his number ten is retired here. Even though as a rookie he wore thirty three, but his number ten is retired here. And for also another tie in to who we just talked about not too long ago, in the movie he got game. Of course, uh, uh, Jesus Shuttlesworth is named I- after. Earl Monroe, one of his nicknames was Black Jesus. Black Jesus. Yep. Yes. Wow. He was the first guy to perfect, like, from his dribbling style, like the like the wraparounds are called. Like, you dribble, you go this way and go that way. He was one of the first dudes with a handle, with a mean yeah. handle. Right. right. That's what he's looking for. And, and, the, and one last thing about uh, about Earl the Pearl. Um, oh, and Winston Salem, obviously, when he went to Winston State, this dude was doing a Height of the civil rights movement, right? Mm-hmm. So to the point where I think Billy Packer, uh, he was a Wake Forest graduate. He played at Wake Forest a few years before. I think um, when um, what's his name uh, when 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 um, uh, Earl of Pearl went to Winston State. But the point is that when Packer was at Wake Forest, he used to scrimmage. Clem, I forget his last name. When he was a star at Winston State, behind closed doors because mm-hmm. it was against the law to have assembly between white, white and yeah. blacks. So they had to play their games in private to the point where like uh, he tells a story that Big House Gaines accidentally opened up the gymnasium on campus and saw Wake Forest guys playing his guys. He closed the door back quickly because he knew that if they were going to get caught, those young men would, would be in trouble. Mm-hmm. So wow. they would do that throughout the year, so that because Wake Forest was very good during those days, as was Winston State. So they would play each other where it's the summer throughout the year, just to, to test each other. Yeah. Right. So they did that for years, and and they to the point where they play each other. They would before COVID, they would play each other in the regular season. But but uh-huh. but, but 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 right quick when 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 uh when Earl the Pearl was at Wake Winston State. He they had a movie this game to win some Coliseum because people want to see him. Mm-hmm. Because he was such a baller, they were like, so even even the white fans from other schools they wanted to see him. White press, so they would play at the bigger Winston Salem Coliseum outside of campus, on the other side of town actually, so that they could see Earl the, the Pearl play. So that was the impact. Of course, that's the only. He led them to the to the Winston State's the only HBCU to win a title in basketball. No, they're not. Oh, they're not. Oh, okay, I'm Remember, sorry. Remember, we talked about this last week. Remember, 
uh, Cheney State won. Cheney State, yeah, a, yeah, a, a, yeah, a yeah. National yeah, title yeah. in '79. Right, I'm but sorry, they were the first to do it. What's up? They were the first to do it. The first to do it. Yes. Right. right. So yeah, they won that title in '67. Right. So there, yeah, there were there were like um, five, four or five HBCUs that won national titles on the D two level, mm-hmm. along with, of course, Virginia Union. Of course, they did it while um, Rick Mahorn was uh-huh. there, and a couple of other years as well. Um, UDC also won a title there um, on the D two level back in '82. That '82 score was 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 monstrous. Right. And right. then um, this wasn't an HBCU, but I think the first D one during you know. Uh, Segregation uh, with the uh, all black starting five. What was it? It's now standing. What? What is it? Texas El Paso. Yeah, UTEP. Yes, UTEP. Yeah, UTEP was the first black all like all starting all black starting five. To right. Win. They used to be mm-hmm. called Texas Western back in the day. Yeah. Texas yeah. Western. Yeah. Now, yeah, UTEP. Yeah. Yeah. So now the UTEP. That's interesting. I've never seen Glory. So if you got, if, I'm gonna check out Glory one of these days because yeah. that's 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 like great history that. Yeah. Western Peace, Clem, uh, John uh, Haskins, Coach Haskins. Uh, so this is, we're now in the random shit segment of the show. Um, so uh, right quick, I want to say rest in peace to Marty Schottenheimer. Uh, he passed yesterday. Uh, a lot of people remember him as the guy who couldn't win the big one per se, but he was a damn good regular season head coach. And he turned around the Cleveland Browns in the 80s and 90s. And uh, he did the same yeah, thing. Yeah, speaking of, man, the Washington Post was real disrespectful with a headline that they released. I forget yeah, what, I saw exactly that. what it was. Yeah, that was real disrespectful when they made that announcement about um, Schottenheimer dying. Or something like that. Yeah, I was like, come on, dude. He just passed away. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and of course, he's also the first. I, I don't know if he's the first, but to me, he's he might be the only coach in NFL history to be fired after going 14-2 and with the Chargers. Yeah, that's remember, great. Remember the super dash your own manager? Yeah, so... But rest in peace to Schottenheimer. He's a good dude, and uh, from what I understand, and his son is still coaching somewhere. Uh, used to be in Seattle, but he's coaching somewhere. Yeah, he just got he just got fired out of Seattle. Yeah, right. So there you go. So um, I think that's all I could think of from a sports perspective. Um, yeah, anything else? Any random shit y'all got? Any of you got? Yeah, a couple of things real quick. Let me go ahead and run through this gauntlet real quick. First and foremost, since you're doing rest in pieces. Um, God, I shouldn't have said rest in pieces. That just sounds worse. Yes, I'll but, um, <laughs> yeah, um, Leon Spinks passed away. Yes, he did. Um, yes, he did. This past week, um, yeah. unfortunately, Spinks was the, um, the 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 lesser of the Spinks brothers. Right. Uh, even though he still beat Ali. Right. I'm still trying to understand how he was capable of getting a fight with Ali with only eight fights under his belt and beat Ali in a split decision for his eighth overall win. But of course, he would subsequently end up losing to Ali in that next fight. But yeah, the Spinks family was a dynamic boxing family. Like I said before, Leon and his brother Michael were both Olympians. Mm-hmm. Leon most definitely won a gold medal. And of course, um, Michael was uh, also a, a heavyweight champion until, of course, subsequently losing his title to uh, Mike Tyson. Right. Uh, Leon's title, uh, not title, but um, Mike's record was 31 and 3 all time. Well, opposed to what um, Leon's record was. But um, Leon, also his son, Corey Spinks, was also a great boxer. So that entire Spinks boxing family was full of nothing but champions. Also, on the the, the, uh, the rest in peace front, um, uh, professional wrestler 
the natural Butch Reed passed away over the mm. weekend due to COVID complications. Um, for those who aren't familiar, um, Butch Reed, um, Russell Big South, WWF, NWA, won um, World Tag Team Championship with one Ron Simmons, who, of course, will become the first African-American to ever win um, a world heavyweight title in professional wrestling um, on, on the, the higher ranks, WCW, NWA, and WWF. Um, but yeah, Butch Reed had a lot of uh, classic feuds with JYD, Tito Santana, Don the Rock Morocco, um, and, and, and uh, the, the Four Horsemen, Steiner Brothers. Mm. But yeah, uh, the Four Horsemen. Butch Reed. Love the yeah, Four Horsemen. He, and Butch, Butch Reed was one of my favorites because he had that street talk with his promos. Yeah. So, you know, anybody had that street talk, I love that hood talk. That was a favorite <laughs> of mine. But um, also, real quick, in the HBCU sports front, yes. unfortunately, Alcorn State and Norfolk State have both announced that they will not be playing this spring due to um, complic uh, uh, complications due to COVID. Um, the MEAC right now is kind of um, searching to try to figure out exactly what they're going to do with their schedule. I'm, I'm hoping they haven't decided in the past couple of hours because I haven't been around the phone to find out exactly. But, yeah, right now um, the MEAC is now down to five teams participating this spring in football, which is going to be very weird. Yeah. Um, and also uh, Howard has decided to finally put an end to the men's basketball um, uh, uh, play. Of course, once again, COVID, COVID's been a monster, um, which puts an official end to McCore Maker season, even though McCore hasn't played since week, since um, since game number two, where he uh, was, was uh, dealt with a, a season ending um, growing injury. But yeah, that, that yeah, Howard has, hasn't played ball since December this year. So mm. um, they've been dealing with COVID and, and trying to fend COVID off for the past couple of months, they just went ahead and just decided to call it a wrap uh, this earlier this week. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, real quick for me, um, rest in peace, John Chaney, as we know, yeah. legendary basketball figure and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, coach. Um, uh, that was sad to see him go. Um, but yeah. uh, one thing, I, I, one positive I did see from it, uh, Don Staley, I don't know if you guys saw that. In her yes. last, they played UConn. She, she paid tribute to him by, you know, dressing in his attire. And I thought that was pretty dope, uh, paying tribute to him. But um, legend, definitely, that goes without saying, John Chaney. And then also, this one was a little bit before, but um, Hank Aaron. Yeah. Um, Aaron passed since I think we last uh, had the yeah. show. So um, I'm still sad about that. Yeah. You know, baseball royalty, legend. I mean, arguably one of the, you know, best ever to, to, to lace up the uh, the cleats and, and and pick up a bat but um he's he's huge especially in the Atlanta area and in the south and um, right. they love him there right um, so just rest in peace to him um just not not only what he he did um on the diamond but what he was doing for the city of Atlanta what he was doing for uh, minorities and kind of serving as that figure especially for African Americans in the city of um, Atlanta um just his relationship with the uh, the children in the schools and uh, partnerships with so many different initiatives to to push the ball forward and um, as it relates to uh, race relations and, uh, you know, um, just making society better in that area. Uh, even yeah. So uh, rest in peace to both of them. Yes, sir. Good stuff. Good stuff. And on that note, we're going to wrap it up. Thank you guys for joining me on this podcast and thank y'all for listening. Again, check out the Wayne Nash 
on the Yard Stress HBCU Sports, wraps up about all things HBCU Sports, as well as Sleazy Radio every Tuesday on Facebook Live. Also, check out his great work at on uh, heroesports.com, wraps by FCS Sports, as pertains to HBCUs. And thank you to my man, Rashad Myers, at the bottom uh, for hanging out with us. And, uh, and as well, please subscribe. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel. We'll be glad, and you'll be glad that you did. And get the merch, cowboypress.com. Get that merch. Get that merch. <laughs> and search for the Cloud Time Sports. I have the address, the link at the bottom in the comments section. Um, I'm sorry, in the description. And one last thing. If it's snowing, if it's not snowing, when it's not snowing here, like snowing here or whatever, stay your ass at home. If you're going to go out, wear a mask. We got the vaccine, but we got to still stay safe, y'all. Got to make it. So wear a mask. Wash your hands if you do go out. And also, take care of yourselves. Have a great weekend. God bless y'all. Enjoy your life. And until next time, I'm out. Rest in peace, Dilla. Detroit Dilla. in the house. Dilla, rest yes. in peace. Peace out.